0: It's Diaz, Pablo Jorge Show. <laughs> That's, That's Spanish. You didn't even know I knew that, right? I didn't. Anyway, welcome to the Paul George Show. <laughs> Great to be with you. I wonder if people were listening like, wait, what just happened? I wonder if I have the wrong show. Maybe we I should wish we start... Did a s-
1: episode in Spanish. That'd be awesome.
0: We should just translate it into Spanish.
1: Yeah, because I mean, part of the issue with that would be...
0: I mean, I couldn't do the show Spanish. in Spanish. Yeah. yeah. That's one issue. Yeah. But maybe we get yeah. somebody who does. Yeah, which, by the way, if when I go to Spanish-speaking countries, I stick out pretty bad. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. You're not the typical Hispanic-looking person. No. No, no. You're like nine feet tall. <laughs>
0: now, if I went to Germany or something, be would be like, oh, yeah. people probably wouldn't even know. Look at that
1: short guy over there.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> right, yeah. So, anyway, um, so, man, uh, love is in the air. Is it? Yeah. That's great news. Yeah, so I was talking to someone from Michigan. Recently, and they said that at some point in their life that it snowed in June, and I just my mind just can't handle it because in February mm-hmm. things down here start blooming, yeah, and I love that. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, it's great. So, spring fever is here, it just makes me you happy. Lo- you love the flowers, yeah, huh? yeah, I do like. We get some of those warm spring days mm-hmm. sprinkled in, and you start kind of smelling the grass and the flowers, <laughs> and then baseball starts, and you start, you know, kind of... You are in such a mood today. Sensing, is awesome. like, you, you start hearing, like, the, 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 the sound of bats hitting balls, and, and... Where do you hear that? Just in my mind. Okay. Yeah. Birds <laughs> tweeting. Right. Yeah. Man, you...
1: I'm so inspired right yeah, now. Yeah. So I'm like, just
0: loving life. I start all that out before I start this. Okay. Right. So, um, Emeritus Pope Benedict, right? <laughs> How is this related? Well, he just wrote this letter. Uh, and in a rare letter, mm-hmm. um, you know, he says that he's, you know, basically dying and yeah. he's um, quote unquote, unquote, on pilgrimage home. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and I just think it's cool actually that he wrote this and and we can talk about that, but I would I just want to give a, a, a slight news flash mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. and to everyone. Listening. I appreciate that. Okay, here's the news flash. We are all <laughs> on the pilgrimage home. Yeah. Like like we're all on our way to dying. Like he knows he's closer because he's like 90, right? Mm-hmm. So he's not like, yeah, you know, i got another 30 years. Like, I shouldn't be talking about this. He's 90. He's ill. He's moving slow. Like, he he knows his time is limited. So he's writing this letter beautifully. And I think it's a a way to evangelize the world. uh, Because one of the things that his predecessor did, right, John Paul II did, Mm -hmm. that was so beautiful. I mean, you could go through his papacy. And certainly, I just... Watched a documentary on him and I'd love to talk more about it. But th- him as a priest and a pope, like literally his life was amazing, the things that he did. And if you, when you talk about his work in communism and for people, like you just go on and on. But one of the things I remember the most is that towards the end of his papacy, he taught people how to die. Mm-hmm. And that the world was awestruck by this reality that. That this was happening and it was it was one of the greatest teaching moments I remember thinking about and I think this is what Benedict's doing like I think he's like reminding people of the meaning of life with this letter saying hey I'm on my, I'm I, I'm dying I, I, I am on the pilgrimage to where I belong which is heaven like the earth is just sort of the stopping place in my life and he's reminding people and I think it's gonna be a great tool of evangelization
1: yeah because uh, he chose I mean he chose to retire for for the office itself it's not like he man I just can't wait to sit back and and not do anything but like right. he realized his his fading health and energy was not good for the office the way he saw it
0: right the so people
1: he steps office. back but yep. it's not in other words he didn't retire in the same way that you and I might retire or an American might retire and say oh now I'm old enough to just sit back and do what I really want to do although he has spent his time doing what he's always wanted to do, which is study, prayer, and preparation for heaven. And God has given him many years of this, actually. It's right. been, what, since 2013? So five years of this kind of life that he's lived well, apparently. And um, I- I'm curious if once he finally passes, if we'll have some access into that world as far as, you know, has he been writing at all? Has he been, uh, what has he been reading? What has he been doing? Because, like you said, the witness.
0: Of how he's choosing to spend these years is profound and hidden like he's he's out of the way which is such a a Christ like virtue to be hidden yeah Um, but I I think I don't know this I don't have any inside scoop but I think like when he dies there's gonna be a powerhouse book that's gonna come out and I grew up with John Paul II right and he was the first Pope that ever saw uh, in 93 and like I followed his papacy and and read, like literally life-changing. Mm-hmm. But I loved reading the stuff that Benedict came out with. Mm-hmm. Like his ability to communicate um, the gospel. To me, maybe it's just the way I read and understand. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And when I <clears throat> approached this book that I was writing, and I'm not a writer, like I'm more of a speaker, and I've, I've kind of done ministry my whole life, when I came to approach this book, the, the idea came from Pope Benedict. Hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, I tell people when they say, you know, what should I speak or write on? I say, the only thing that you ever should speak or write on is something that you're so passionate about that you have to write or speak on it. And so when I came to write this book, I took that approach of I got to write what I'm just so passionate about that I, I can't help but write this. And Pope Benedict was, was the inspiration. For, for this book and it doesn't sound that way because the name of the book is is titled rethink happiness And so when you think about that you think oh, it's a book on happiness It's not it's a book on conversion book on faith and it it starts with the question of happiness and people think oh That's just so light-hearted Well, guess what? Pope Benedict started with that conversation And what he said was is that people are asking the question about life and he says am I happy? Mm -hmm. And he says, the process of conversion starts with that question. He says, the word conversion in the Greek means rethink. Mm -hmm. That's the title of my book, Rethink Happiness. I I got it from him. He wrote that in the year 2000, Mm -hmm. right? And I've I've been sitting with those words for... 18 years. Yeah,
1: 17, 18 years. And now we get to...
0: Read about so your he's sitting. truly inspired me, yeah. you know, uh, with this. And so, so the the book takes this this approach, starting with what he talks about as as rethinking. What does it mean to rethink? Yeah. And what he says is, w- when you begin to rethink your life and ask these questions about life, that's where conversion begins. And then there becomes an introduction of faith and Christ. And when you begin to understand your life through the lenses of Christ, that's when that's when you have happiness. That's when true happiness really takes over your heart and your life and your mind. And I think the ability to rethink
1: is a human skill that every human needs for happiness. But in particularly as as Christians today, we I think we've lost this skill. Like we we're not willing to rethink things.
0: But people are rethinking even though they don't know they are. Right. Right? So like someone driving right now is they're thinking about their life. They're thinking, and what am I doing? Is this have purpose or meaning? Like they're thinking about it. They're just not necessarily yes. They just don't necessarily know where to get the answer for it, right? Yeah. And this is what Pope Benedict was talking about. Like, unless someone's getting the answer to those questions through the lenses of the gospel. So what my book does is kind of break open that through the lenses of that. But it he inspires me. And so all this coming into light with his letter he's evangelizing with this letter. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt in my mind, like, this is not a sympathy letter. Mm -hmm. He is evangelizing with this letter, and what he's doing is he's telling people that no matter where you are in life, you still have meaning and you still have purpose, and your greater greater purpose is where you'll live for the
1: rest of your life. Well, and what inspires me about it is we all know that this man knows and loves Jesus Christ and has for decades and has has literally given every ounce of his life— to that relationship right. and we all know that but there's something else we also all know is that at this exact moment he's never been closer to Jesus mm-hmm. and I think for for those of us who follow Jesus over time we can lose that ideal right it's like today I need to be closer to Jesus than ever and um, anyway that, that's very inspiring to me that someone who's accomplished so much done so much has loved God so much has designed his life to where that's not enough like I want to I want to be able to love God more deeply and so he, The Paul George like Show is made done. possible in yes part by Jesus our partners at Solidarity Healthshare.
0: Solidarity is the Catholic that. solution to the health care problem. I can talk about Are that you paying all day, too much for your healthcare well, let's do it. Let's have an all day. I got a, a great guest. It's going to be a phenomenal <laughs> conversation. <laughs> um, the Kelly Pease is coming up. We're going to talk about some really cool stuff. So, anyway, Paul George We'll be right back. Best yet, Solidarity Healthshare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit solidarityhealthshare.org. That's solidarityhealthshare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George here. Adam Conk quietly sitting in the corner. I love just staring at him. Anyway, I have uh, obviously one of my favorite guests ever, Kelly Pease Lombardi. Kelly, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing good. I'm at school. Sorry if you heard my announcements coming through my loudspeakers. But yeah, I'm doing good.
0: I love it. You're a mom, a wife, a teacher, uh, and blogger for CatholicMom.com. So you're doing all sorts of things. So, anyways, thanks for taking the time uh, to chat today. What's going on over there?
2: Oh, you know, just hanging out on my little break. Yeah, I'm a part time teacher here at my kids'. Catholic school, and I am um, just carrying this baby. I got five weeks left in my pregnancy, so I'm a sight to see. Good times over here, but um, yeah, we're just doing good.
0: So four kids, one on the way. Uh, This is number uh, Cinco, Um, and you guys are getting ready for that. So I know know, uh, life's crazy for you. Like, when you think about Lent, like as a Catholic Christian, like, do you think, like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, you know, you, you have your your mom of, of four small ones running around and, and another one do. Like, when you think about Lent, do you think, I'm kind of just living Lent a lot in my life?
2: <laughs> my life is Lent. That's what I think about Lent. And, I mean, sorry if this is offensive to anyone, but I feel like my life is Lent. My oldest child is seven. And pregnancy by this point, I mean, it's gone very well. Thank you, God. But I hit this point last week where I do this new thing called exhaustion sobbing, where I just get (laughs) so exhausted, like trying to carry around the weight of my body and the rest of my kids that I just start sobbing. And so honestly, I feel like this is Lent. Lent has come early for old Kelly.
0: You know, um, I, I think. I don't every, really
2: know what else I can do.
0: No, I think so many people listening, and and, and maybe a lot of moms or you know even dads, you, you just gave a sense of relief, like to breathe out. Like I think a lot of times when we look at Lent, we think we have to kind of conjure up something, we have to make up something, or we have to do a whole bunch of things. And certainly that's good. We've we've talked about that, but sometimes your life situation, uh, if you just embraced it, that might be your Lent right there, right?
2: Right. And that, yeah, that's exactly right. Like trying to not struggle so hard against it. It's like God has given me this opportunity to draw near to him in the the sufferings of my daily life. Not that it's not beautiful and full of joy because it is, but as any woman who's had a baby knows, this is the hard, hard part. So there's a lot of yeah, struggle that comes here in the end, if I can lean into that and try to attach myself to God and His mercy in that, then yeah, I think that would be a, a score for me during Lent.
0: Right. And, you know, obviously a lot of great things, a lot of things to be thankful for, you know, but Lent is about yeah. sacrifice and, and embracing those things. And I'm sure if you look at you like your day, um, you could probably— Add up more sacrifice in your day than you can like alone time, you know, bubble bathing, right? Like you think of waking (laughs) up and cooking for the kids and getting them ready for school and changing diapers and washing clothes and then going to work and doing all these things. And you think I just had the best Lent ever. It it was just built into the DNA of my day, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah. Like just what God has laid before me, what he's already called me to do. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot in that, that maybe we overlook, you know, in our daily lives, or we try really hard to escape, you know, and, and maybe that's really all that I need to think about during Lent is trying not to escape the little sacrifices. I read this thing, I can't remember now, but it was on Instagram, um, this girl that I follow that I love, and she said, it was all about her life and her vocation as a wife and a mom. It was all about the yes, like to say yes, to do this laundry, to fix you this snack, you know, to um, whatever it is, the little tiny task of the day to continually say yes and make a practice of saying yes instead of kind of trying to shirk it off or escape it or be, you know, grumbly about it or whatever. And I do think that's a way of drawing near to Christ because she talked about how all these little yeses add up You know, and end up being like a real source of grace in our daily life. So, yeah, I mean, that would be cool if I could do that. I'm just trying to do what she does.
0: (laughs) Well, I I think, yeah, your lens kind of built in. And, you know, I'm thinking right now, like, I'm thinking, wow, you know, like changing this dirty diaper is, is. (laughs) Yeah, you know. It's Lent, you know, like it is part of the sacrifice that I make as a dad, you know, not just the dirty diaper, but taking care of the kids, helping my wife, helping around the house, you know, uh, you know, doing things that I don't want to do, sacrificing things that I would much rather go do to, to do these things that I don't necessarily need to do, but it would help, you know, like all these things we can embrace not to over, load ourselves with sort of sacrifice and suffering, but to embrace the the day-to-day things that are in front of us as a sense of sacrifice.
2: Yeah, to see it for what it is. Because I think sometimes we're afraid to do that. Like, we're afraid to just look at it all and say, this is actually really hard. You know, I find myself doing that, and that ends me up in exhaustion sobbing a lot, too, because I have this thing where I just want to say, I got this, I can handle this, I'm going to power through, I'm going to, you know, just be on top of all of this stuff, because I can do this, you know, but I think it's much more healthy and a better way for us to stay, like, intact with our relationship with Jesus, if we can look at it and say, actually, this is all really, really hard, you know, and I, I can't really do this by myself, you know, and just those cries for help to God, I mean, that's, Prayer—that's like intimacy with
0: Jesus. Yeah. So, how do we balance um, embracing this and feeling sorry for ourselves? Right? Having these sob parties. Like, oh
2: man, <laughs> that's a toughie. <laughs> that is a toughie. Because I, I think know. whether you're, whether
0: you're a mom or dad, a man or a woman, it, there's times, there's days where we just want that are hard. Like life's just not easy. It, it's difficult, and and. <laughs> sometimes embracing that is very difficult. And sometimes we just want to sit and feel sorry for ourselves and pout about it. And certainly I understand like we have to, you know, get it out and grieve and talk to somebody. But what's the balance between just constantly living in that sob party and then moving out of that to embrace it? Because I think on the back end of embracing this stuff is joy. It doesn't always feel that way.
2: Right. Yeah, that's so true. And you're right. It is like a slippery slope. Like, how do you feel the honest realities of your life and not sink into that self-pity? And I think, you know, for me in my life, my husband, he's he's to the extreme of you can never feel sorry for yourself. So he's like kind of the king of that. And it always, you know, pulls me out. I mean, I'm trying to always tell him like, yeah, but you got to feel your feelings. And so we kind of balance each other out in that way. But you know, if ever I do have a day when I'm like, you know, and it was just so hard, and I had to get up, and I had to wake up, and I had to feed the kids breakfast, and I had to dress them, and I had to do the laundry, and I'm going on and on, and his whole thing is, okay, so, like, you and I are basically doing what every other parent in the world is doing today, you know what I mean? Like, right. it's not, like, these tasks are just specific to me, or like, God is just trying to punish me, but I think it's like... um giving yourself the time to feel it and then like giving it to God and standing up and saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to move forward now. Like I have to keep, I have to keep doing it, you know, but you figure out that you can really only do it with the grace of God. Do you watch This Is Us? Have I asked you this?
0: Yeah, the series This Is Us. Yeah, I've seen a few episodes. I'm very inconsistent on keeping up with stuff, but yes, I I kind of randomly catch back up with it. Well, I'm so
2: into it, it, as I'm sure a lot of people are, because it's an awesome show, and I mean, not to give anything away if you haven't watched it all, but I think that they do a great job with the character of the mom in that show because everybody knows that the husband ends up passing away and it's really sad and it's really hard. And, you know, in the episode, the the latest episode, they do such a good job of just showing her journey through this grief and the sadness, you know, initially, but then she has this light bulb moment or this kind of turnaround moment where she says, we're going to be okay. Like, we are going to be okay. You know, and I think that... I mean, it just spoke to me in my life as a mom. Like, you have to let yourself feel the hardship of what you're feeling, and then you have to open your eyes and say, but we're okay, and we can do this. You know, and for us as Christians, it's like we can do this because God is with us, you know?
0: Yeah, and sometimes we just have to have that motto, you know, and and, and pray into it. You know, like one of my mottos that kind of snaps me out of that is is this um, thing I wrote down that's a, just a personal motto is like God's got good things in store for me. And that just one line, mm-hmm. if I just repeat that over and over, when I'm in a funk, it just reminds me, okay, God's got good stores and good things in store for me, you know, even though it doesn't feel that way or look that way, or my situation just seems worse than what, it, you know, um, it is, you know, whatever the case may be. I think a lot of times when I'm talking to people is they want to take the context of their life, right? And everything mm-hmm. that they're going through, the busyness, the chaos, the hardness, whatever. And they want, they want to approach God sort of outside of that context and, and then have, you know, pray you know, over here and, and kind of go vertical here, um, and then they're, they're, all their stuff in their life is just sitting over here. And I, I think the reality of the spiritual life and, and growing as, as a person is embracing God in the midst of all those things in our life. So sometimes, like, you don't know where to start in prayer. Just start with the context of where your life is, right? and let right. that be yeah. the the starting point for your conversation with God. God, here I am. I'm struggling and or whatever. And just meet me meet me in the busyness, and the chaos and the suffering and the hardship or whatever the case may be.
2: Right. Yeah, like where else can you meet him? That's your life. That's your reality. If you're not willing to face it, you know, and feel it and and own it, then you have very little chance of actually connecting with God. You know, because that's where he lives is in our heart, you know? So if we're not willing to take stock of what's actually in our hearts and, and speak it out, then we're probably not going to have a very strong connection.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm talking to Kelly P's a Lombardi blogger for Catholic. Is it Catholic mom.com? Catholic mom Which one?
2: Catholicmom.com. mom.com.
0: Catholic mom.com. Uh, anyway, uh, so, so to kind of, Curvetail onto this conversation is in the midst of the craziness, um, busyness of life. You know, you tend—I I follow you uh, on the socials mainly Facebook because you're old and that's all you use.
2: It's <laughs> so true. I can't figure out anything else. And Why you, I'm not supposed to be like this? No, I'm not really that old.
0: No, you're not. I you're, just can't you're,
2: get my—I can't get my brain around anything else.
0: Like I'm older. You're a millennial. Like you should. Like <laughs> you should be. Tweeting and Insta, you should be all over it. I, you mean, be... I don't know, I don't
2: understand.
0: <laughs> but anyway, I like your old people post on Facebook, and uh, <laughs> one of the things that, that you're really really good at, and I know you mean it, like it's not like a, a show. It's really authentic. Uh, is you 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 post every now and then just about your encouragement for your husband Joey, and it always kind of strikes me because few people do that. Um, but when you do it, it has such an authenticity. Um, and and when I bring that up, how do you find like in the midst of the craziness and business of life and you have younger kids and whatever, how do you keep your marriage and your spouse, uh, first?
2: Well, I don't know. I mean, I think for me, like it's just the way that I am, I like to, I like to know people. Like I'm very into just, you know, observing people and watching people and and in my relationships with people, maybe that's, it's kind of like a love language of mine. I think it's like words of affirmation and Mm -hmm. I like to feel really known, you know, and seen. and, And so in my relationship with my husband, I feel like I'm like that. Like I, I mean, it's just been, I could go on and on, but to have watched, him and our relationship. We've been married for almost nine years. And, you know, that I love to know somebody and watch somebody. It's been like such a joy to watch him, you know, over this journey and just like be by his side as he grows and, you know, just all the ways that God has changed us both. And I like to take note of those things. I'm like a word person, you know, and I like to kind of take stock of that kind of thing. And so I think just because that's kind of my love language and the way that I, um, you know, interact with people, it's natural for me to do that with him. You know, and so how does, res- mom, re- how does he respond? How uh,
0: does he respond to to this affirmation and 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 this encouragement? Like, does he like? I mean,
2: <laughs> he just walked into my classroom. Um, I mean, the radio. Uh, he likes it. Yeah, I mean, I think it means a a great deal to him, you know? And I I think for any man it would, you know, like, and for any human being, like, don't we all have that desire to be seen and recognized, you know, like for where we are and how we're growing, you know? So yeah, I think it definitely, it means a lot to him when he sees that stuff.
0: So I want to, I want to bring up a lot of times Adam and I uh, have this conversation, what's a top do and top don't in, in certain situations. And I think in a marriage a top do and a top don't so a top do is if you want to see progress in your spouse if you want your spouse to grow in certain areas or if you want your spouse to engage in the relationship to to uh, you know to 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 move forward and to grow with you a top do would be to affirm your spouse constantly yeah. affirm Keys your spouse See the good to see the good, because yeah, here's I mean, the reality in marriage, right? Two imperfect people get married. And so we have these blaring imperfections that sometimes mm-hmm. may never go away, right? Right, uh, right. And right. we can hyper-focus on the imperfections and, and certainly let our spouse know that we know about their imperfections instead right. of highlighting the things that are good, uh, and and encouraging that person in those things. And what I find in marriages that do that, there seem to be people who are happier and growing more more as individuals and as couples.
2: Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, I think there's a couple of things you can do just with your self-talk, you know, like as you're kind of you got to kind of coach yourself through, you know, and you get, you get inspiration and wisdom from other people around you, but you got to kind of coach yourself through in a way of saying, okay, what is for better or worse really mean? When you got married, you didn't know all those glaring imperfections that you were going to find, but they come out as you go. Well, you said for better or worse. So what are you actually going to do? Right. You know, you, I mean, obviously can ask for the respect that you, you need and you deserve and you can, you know, strive to work towards better places. But like you said, I mean, there's imperfections that we're all always going to have and we're always going to struggle with. So on a certain level, like, it's just choosing to accept, okay, this is who I married and this is who they are, you know? And, And while they're growing, this is probably something that might always be a little thorn in my side. But at the same time... Look at all these other things that I never knew when we stood on the altar and got married were going to come about and we're going to spring up, you know, in this person, these other graces and strengths and blessings, you know? So making a choice to, yeah, don't ignore those things that come up, you know, make a choice to celebrate those things when you see them,
0: Yeah, I mean, you there's... know, to
2: be honest about the parts that are struggles, but right. don't, don't just focus on the struggles, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's certain issues that you work out in your marriage and you got to talk them out and work at them together but I know for sure that you will see more progress in your spouse if you spend more time encouraging them and affirming them than focusing on all their imperfections which the, the top don't is I would say is uh, don't spend your time focusing on your spouse's imperfections because it would only make them worse it will only make them more insecure You'll only push them further away from you when what you really want is your spouse to be closer to you. And sadly enough, Kelly, like I'm constantly having conversations with, with guys, um, who say, you know, my, my, my wife, uh, you know, will tell me like I'm a horrible cook or in front of people, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm doing with the kids. You're, you're a horrible dad, you know, uh, you know, you don't work hard enough for us. And like these words, like, and and, the, and and women think, oh, he's a guy. He can take it. And like the reality is that those are like arrows that just constantly right. are going into this man's heart that are just making him drift further and further away and disengaging him. Right. And I see the flip side right. with, with men who, who constantly nick and nag at their wife's imperfections. And it does the same. I'm sure you can speak to that.
2: Yeah, definitely. And that's something that I think we both, early on, you know, we both have like these similar triggers. I think from just the way that we both grew up in our families and being like younger in the ranks of our siblings, and we just both have such a distaste for being talked down to in any way. And it's cool that we both feel so strongly about it because it's just caused us to make a point to not do that because it it sends us both over the edge, you know, to be talked down to or condescended to, especially in public, you know, is just, it is such a downfall. You're right. There's our arrows that stay. Then you got to go home and you got to talk that out again and again and again, Mm -hmm. you know, because those things hurt, they sting. So yeah, yeah, that's definitely a, a top don't. I would agree.
0: And if there's not deep reconciliation on those things, then there'll always be resentment. And if there's not behavior right. change on the spouses' end, that person will constantly protect themselves from those arrows, and so there'll be distance. Uh, and, yes, and and you can't on. have a good, healthy marriage if there's distance. So anyway, yeah. Kelly Pease, man, this is uh, man. Uh, I just said man. Uh, this has <laughs> been a great,
2: great dude, bro.
0: Bro, this has been a great conversation. Actually, really good, really good. I know you got to yeah. get back to class. And it sounds like Joey walked in, yeah. and that's dangerous. I don't want him on yeah. the show anytime soon. <laughs> you really
2: soon. can't have him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway,
0: we got to do this more often. Um, so, yeah, so great having for having you know. me. Yeah, so if you want to find out more about Kelly, she writes every now and then on Catholic Blog. Catholic mom blog. I can't even get it right.com. Catholic, mom.
2: Catholic, You're
0: Catholic mom. You will look, Kelly, you just stay on Facebook. All right.
2: <laughs> you can find me on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook. Dot All right.
0: We'll talk to you later. God bless. All
2: right. Thank you. You Bye.
0: too. I love the title of this song, man. Pantry. Pantry.
1: Pantry dance party. Got all kind of stuff in the pantry. You know, it's just a mix of all kind of things.
0: Yeah, so let me explain to everyone what Adam does during the interview, which I I wish Adam could jump into the interviews, but they're just kind of such as this one-on-one conversation. So he sits over there, quietly in the corner, coming up with this amazing list, I guess, of questions that I don't know about. And this is the
1: honest honest truth like you have no idea what's about to come which out my there mouth.
0: have been a couple times you've put me on the spot and i'm thinking as that's you're the asking goal. the question i'm thinking oh no i don't know how to answer this but then you come up with something um, yeah just randomly well
1: paul you know the further you get in life and the more of a big shot you become with your books and your whatever <laughs> i want to make sure you could still that's pull stuff so, out of nowhere because so that's a frank. skill you could lose with all this planning and organ you know yeah i want you to be able to just pull stuff out of nowhere so that's why we do the six-pack
0: okay yeah, which I'm, I'm a nobody, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> so as you've been working on that, why don't we just get right into Six Pack of Questions?
1: Question. Question number one. So I loved, well, I say that. I shouldn't say that. I had this image of the exhausting crying that... Yeah, because you, you have kids. Because I've seen this happen with my wife. <laughs> like, it, it's a real thing. Yeah. You just get so tired, especially when you're pregnant. Yeah. And... um. And as a man witnessing it, you, there's mixed you, emotions. You just don't know what to do. Sometimes it's so cute,
0: and then sometimes <laughs> you're like, "I have no idea how to handle this." Oh yeah,
1: yeah. So anyway, question number one, right. referencing that, mm-hmm. what's the most exhausted you've ever been? Like your your memory. When I say those words, exhaustion for mm-hmm. Paul George. What memory do you go to?
0: I have a couple. Uh, you know, we have, we have a an infant now, but when when you know our. Top three or four kids were all small. There were some sleepless nights, sick kids, and I I remember my wife just being like, "You gotta, you gotta, you gotta take shift," you know, and because she had had a hard day, you know. And I I just remember like, like sleepless nights and just thinking this is literally painful. Um, But, but more painful than that were like all these trips I used to take youth and young adults on, and these bus trips. Oh yeah, that for me six four. You just don't sleep because there's no space. And literally, just being up all night and just thinking, like, literally, like, I'm so exhausted, I might just crash. And I went on a trip with you before, mm-hmm. and we were so tired, which is the first time I've ever actually done this. And I've traveled a lot. I fell asleep on the airport floor. We sure did. It was, I the was best that option. exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm. we didn't have enough time to leave and get a hotel because our flights were canceled. So few hours, we had like yeah. this few-hour window where we were stuck in the airport overnight because flights kept getting canceled. And then our next flight was fine out early that we just slept right good, there. Good times. Yeah. I froze. I was so cold. <laughs> All
1: right. Question number two. So uh, we discussed Lent a good bit. Mm-hmm. Other than this year, because don't give me that answer, what's your best Lent ever?
0: Best Lent ever. Yeah,
1: like when you think, man, I really nailed that
0: Lent. I had a friend who had the best Lent ever. I thought he did... Tent for Lent. He slept in a tent for Lent. Was he married? No, he was single. But well, outside, go. he 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 slept outside in his backyard in a tent. That, uh, that so sounds that, awesome. That's genius. Like <laughs> super inconvenient. Your bed is like you know forty <laughs> feet away. Like I would have given up. Like I would have been like, man, my bed's right there. Um, but best Lent ever for me. Um, gosh, it's hard to think. You know, because they all kind of blend. They do they kind of blend so none stand out together um but i think the best lent ever was a year where i uh i tried to go to daily mass mm-hmm. and i and i was fairly fairly good at it you know cool. uh it was just a good season of life where i was able to to do that and and things went well sweet all right question number 3 so
1: you asked kelly about kind of balance between being real with yourself but also not self pity mm mhm and this may seem like a silly, silly question, but I think it's one that could be helpful to all of us. What exactly is self-pity? Can you describe that reality?
0: It's just this loathing. It's focusing so much on ourself that we're unable to see the reality that's outside of ourselves. So usually like when things are bad or I'm self-loathing, the reality is is what you see is it's not as bad as what I think it is. Mm. So you're able to step in and be like, Oh, it's going to be okay. Like, I know you're having a hard day, but it's not that bad. Your wife's crying. You know, she's low. You know, like, okay, like we can get through this. Like it's not as bad as we think it is. Self-loathing makes us think that it's bigger, worse than it really is. And then we just sit in it. We choose not to get out of it. Maybe we can't snap out of it. Maybe we're a little depressed. Maybe, we, you know, we need someone to help us out of it, think through it differently But we have to have ways to pull us out of it, and I think that's important, because we all have days where we just want to feel sorry for ourselves. Yeah. Why why do we enjoy that? Well, you know, one of the things with sin is that sin is basically focusing on yourself. You know, it says, the catechism, worship of the one God sets men free from turning in on himself. So when we think about us, our selfish needs, our desires, and we just focus in, 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 that causes us to sin, because we just want to fulfill these selfish desires that we have.
2: Hmm. And
0: when we turn outwards, when we really live life to the full, we're thinking about other people. We're thinking about making a difference in the world. We're we're not focused on our all our self, our imperfections, the things that we want. And you know, life's about other people. You know, so even with this book thing, like people were like, "Why did you write a book?" I wrote it for other people. Like I really don't care mm. for myself. Like I really don't. And um, I just want to live in that posture. You know, I don't always do, but I want to.
1: Mhm. Awesome, man. All right. Question number four. So, how are you linting this year? Linting. I like that.
0: Lint esque. I like to turn nouns into a verb. Yeah, I was thinking. Actually, I was actually thinking on the drive over here. Is how can you use lint in so many different ways? Like, you know, I'm linting. This is lint esque. uh, This is uh, lintified. When someone borrows something from you, you lint it to them. Uh, so what am I? Uh, what yeah, am how are I? You linting? I'm linting. Well, one of the things that Kelly and I talked about, right, is embracing the current situation, and I'm really trying to do that. I'm trying to embrace the current situation um, that we're in, right? Like, so we were used to this habit of older kids sleeping at night, and and now we're not. Like, and it just life's kind of throwing us a whole different thing, and I'm trying to embrace it. But my word for Lent, oddly enough, is joy, and so I'm I'm. Really trying to, in the midst of all the things that are very in, inconvenient or things that I want to do, I'm trying to have joy and experience joy and leave joy, and that's hard for me. It's not always easy, and so I'm trying to do that. So that that coupled with the sacraments and mass and prayer and fasting and embracing my life situation, that's what I'm linting about. And how's it going? So far, so good. Have good days and bad days, Adam.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry. I did a follow-up question. That breaks the rules. It's supposed
0: to be just six questions. So we're having six and a half or seven?
1: Uh, Let's call that a half, and it'll be a six and a half. half. Okay. So what's the half? Uh, That was. Okay. How's it going? Okay. Question number five. (laughs) That is Uh, like a half. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Question number five. Um, So you're kind of getting around the importance of self-knowledge, like knowing the reality, to where you're honest with yourself enough to where you really know who you are and you're not just, you know, no, I'm Superman, I can do anything. But then you're also not, to the extreme of self-pity, you just described where things seem bigger than they really are. So I know for a lot of us, this is, this is difficult self-knowledge, mostly because we, we're cut off from people. We don't experience community like maybe the church used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, self-knowledge is a big deal. So how would you recommend, like if I was sitting here right now and saying, I really don't know who I am,
0: Right. Where do you go with that? Well, I think we we constantly need to be evaluating uh, ourselves, become self aware of who we are. There's certain behaviors in our life that that are, you know, unchanging, or it's our personality. There's certain things that we can change. I think it's really important for us to do homework on being self aware, and then knowing those triggers that kind of spin us off into certain behaviors or attitudes. Right. You talk about self loathing. What are those triggers that cause you to to think? to self-loathe, to think about yourself or the triggers that cause you to, to spin in depression or to, to, to isolate yourself or, you know, not love your spouse, you know, like knowing those triggers through being self-aware and then coming up ways that pull you out of those situations. So you talk about community, what type of friendships, you know, like making that call and saying, Hey, I'm having a bad day. Can you talk me, talk me down? Right. Um, being able to communicate with your spouse or different Things that pull you out of those moments in your life I think are really, really huge, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously engaging in the life of the church and and prayer, all those things do, but sometimes you need the human interaction. Yeah. And those things are really important. So I would would say do some self-evaluation and then come up with ways that you can really move forward in, in pulling you out of that. Cool.
1: Man, this is a packed show.
0: Packed. This is. Have we even gotten to the sixth question?
1: We're, we're there. We're on the cusp. Ooh. All right. Question number six. So you're know, in the conversation kind of talking about encouraging a spouse or, you know, mm-hmm. and some of us are just not encouraging people. Right. Like it's not easy for us. And we always see the bad in people, and it's louder than the good that we see in people. Right. Um, so as a habit, as a skill, what are some ways we could actually maybe work on that during this Lent?
0: Well, one of the things that, uh, as a common saying in marriage, is, well, that's just the way I am. Mm -hmm. Well, that's like one of the worst things that you could ever say. And there are certain traits about ourselves as just the way I am. Like, I'm just tall. So I'm not going to, I can't shrink, right? And I can't get taller. It's just the way I am. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to attitudes and behaviors, that type of, phrase, it's just the way I am, basically says, like, I'm not changing. So good luck. Mm -hmm. Right? So I might not be a great communicator, but guess what's really important for a marriage? Communicating. So I can say, you know, I'm not a good communicator, but I can certainly give effort. I could certainly try harder. Right? Mm -hmm. And if my spouse knows that I'm not the best at it, but I give effort, they will totally give me an A for effort. Honestly, yeah. right, and so there's certain things in our life. You know, you could say, "Well, I'm not. I'm just not good at affirming my spouse." Well, guess what? That's not a trait that can't change. It's something to say. You know what? I can get better at it. I might not be good at it, but I could try hard. And you could stumble all over your words in affirming your spouse, but the effort that you give will be more than what you say. And so your spouse would be like, "A for effort, man. Thank you so much for just trying to encourage me. Like, I get it." Right. Mm-hmm. And there's things in our relationships that, that we could certainly just get better at, try harder at. And when we do that, ultimately over time, we actually do get better. Like I find that I'm a better communicator, not because I'm a good communicator, only because I've just tried really hard at communicating. Yeah. And over time, I've just gotten better at it with my spouse, with Gretchen. We can do that in a lot of areas of our life instead of just putting a wall up and saying, you know what, this is just the way I am.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that for Limp because I think we often settle into that. This is just the way I am, but I've experienced this through the encouragement of especially spiritual directors that our greatest shortcoming in our character can actually very quickly become our greatest strength. Absolutely, with just a little attention, like not even a lot, just do little things, mm-hmm. and because we're focused on that for a time, it could even become a defining characteristic. It was like this with. Um, You know, like organization and planning, I'm not naturally bent towards that. I realize that at a certain point, and, well, let me start working on that. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, so I think Lent is a time of those kinds of changes.
0: Right. And we we can't be great at everything. I mean, I think that's a myth, that we could be great at everything. And that's certainly not true. I mean, we have certain gifts, strengths, and weaknesses professionally. um, And and in in our day-to-day, you know, like, I can never be an extrovert. But I could work really hard about being uh, you know, about reaching out to people and about being personable and, you know, you know, like Mm -hmm. we, we can work on those areas, but certain things, yeah, they're, they're just part of our DNA. But the reality is, is that, uh, effort is huge. And I think for Lent, like, and for this season of our life, like we just need to put forth effort and, and we'll just, we'll, we'll grow. Wow! What a show! What a show! So anyway, thanks to Kelly Pease, Adam Conk for your great, great, amazing questions. Thank so, you, Paul George. Yes. Anyway, uh, so Paul George Show. Uh, you can find it on iTunes, Google Play. You can find it uh, on PaulGeorge.LA. And uh, if you are hearing about the book, you can actually pre-order it. Uh, it's called Rethink Happiness. Um, So anyway, thanks so much for everything, and we'll talk to you next week.